0: Good morning. If you would not see me, you may not recognize me because of my voice this morning. So, I would appreciate your prayers. <clears throat> Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you, Lord, thank you that you are God. Lord, thank you that you're in control of all things. And Lord, we we rest in that. We're grateful that you are a rock, that you are a sure foundation, and that we can depend on you. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts this morning as we study your word. May we be challenged, and I pray that as we um, read your scripture together, that that you would be glorified through it and that our hearts would uh, hear what you have for us. Just pray for the service up in Elkhart. Lord, be especially with um, Lloyd as he preaches. I pray that you would bless him and bless their service up there. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Welcome, the visitors. It's good to to have you join us this morning. And uh, we just invite you to uh, worship with us. You know, I remember the panic that happened the morning of uh, my sister and my brother-in-law's wedding um, as they, they gathered early for pictures, uh, the morning of the wedding, and they were taking outdoor pictures, and we had had a lot of rain that week, and so it was pretty muddy. And after taking pictures, actually the wedding was here at Sandy Ridge, after taking pictures, I'm not even sure where they took them, but they came back to the church here, and there was quite a flurry and an a, um, excitement because my sister's dress was all mud-splattered from trying to take pictures outside, and there was a lot of energy that went in to try to get those spots cleaned out. They, The bridesmaid and my mother and I think even my wife, they were trying to clean this with water and soap and Clorox and And whatever they could get a hold of that they thought might help clean this dress. And then they were trying to get it dried so that you couldn't see the spots. There was a lot of action. There was a lot of intention and intensity in trying to get this thing cleaned up. So that it would be presentable. You know there is a lot of energy that a bride-to-be puts in her wedding day, in preparing, in planning ahead, and getting things ready. Because she wants to look her best, and she wants to enjoy that day. And not the least of those is you would want to have a clean dress on the day of your wedding, right? And when that dress becomes soiled, you put a lot of effort into getting it cleaned up. You know, there's much emphasis put on a bride's purity, and just the, and, and even how a white dress and that whole picture it, it's a picture of, of purity, right? It's to symbolize that. And it's to symbolize that the bride to-be is unattached from any other, and that she is pure and ready. For her wedding day to make that commitment and that wedding day is a commitment to each other the bride and the groom of pureness of of committing to each other and making a commitment to do whatever it takes to maintain that purity as a couple turn with me to ephesians chapter 5 This isn't a wedding message, it's not a uh, message necessarily to a bride, but it is to the bride. I had actually prepared another message on child training, and for some reason last night felt like God was directing me in a different way, and he kept laying on my heart the title purity of the church purity of the church we find ourselves in between council meeting that we had last sunday and communion next sunday and as i think about that and maybe you i should say too often as we go through those commemorating or going through council meeting and preparation for communion we take for granted what that what that's all about what is council meeting and we kind of go through the formality of it, and it maybe doesn't impact us like it should. And so this morning, I want to call our attention to that. And it's important that we come to the communion table and that we're pure. Purity of the church. I've chosen this scripture because it talks about that. Beginning to read in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. As unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church, for we are the members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. This scripture is often used to give instructions to husbands and to wives about, about how their relationship should look, how they should be interacting with each other, how they should be loving each other. But it always makes a comparison of how Christ loves the church. And it sets it up as, do this because you have this perfect example of Christ in the church. And so this morning I want to focus on the, the picture of Christ and the church. Verse 22, it says, Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. He's calling us to a submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I think one of this is one of the most difficult things in the Christian life is submission. Giving up my will, giving up what I want, giving up my plans sometimes, my goals, and hearing from God and, and taking his plans and his goals for me and making those. My goals, submission, what does submission look like? It's not what I want to be, but it's what Christ wants me to be and to do. That's submission. It's giving up of myself, and that's hard. It's hard for me. I don't know how you find it, but I find it hard for me sometimes to do that. Verse 23, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. You know, Christ is the head of the church. This verse gives instructions for wives to be subject to their head. And as wives, I'm sure sometimes you think, well, it would be easy if my husband was perfect. If he were perfect, right? If he had had all the right attitudes, and he loved me like he, he should, and and he would have the honey-do list all caught up, and if he would care for me, and if he would connect with me, it would be much easier to love him. But then he compares it to Christ in the church. And see, Christ is that perfect example. Christ is that perfect husband as such. Christ lived a, a sin-free life, a life where it says he was tempted at all points like we are, yet without sin. And so Christ is that perfect example, right, to us as a church. And how do you find it? Is it easy to be submissive to him? Is it easy to welcome his input? Is it easy for me to find myself following him? Sometimes I think we put so much effort and emphasis on, I just want to follow God, right? Lord, show me. God is willing to show us if if we ask. He's more than willing to lead us. I think sometimes the problem is, I don't want to follow, or I don't want to hear his voice. Am I submissive to the perfect example of a leader, we like leaders who have a clean track record. When we put people into leadership, whether it's a business or church or whatever it is, we like people with a clean record. Right, right. People who have have lived a pure life, not perfect, but who have done who are do, who are doing well with their lives. We like business leaders who have experience. And have a history of success. And then we choose those people and say, you need to be in position of leadership in this business. Because you have a good track record. And Christ is that perfect head. Christ is that perfect leader for the church. Tempted, but didn't fail. Christ is the perfect sacrifice for our lives, for our sins, a pure sacrifice without blemish. It says, he is the savior of the body. Verse 24, therefore, as a church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their husbands, to their own husbands in everything, The church is called to be, the church or us, the larger body church, right, but it's made up of individuals, and so myself included and you, we can include ourselves in that. The church is under and accountable to a higher authority, that is God. And so God is this, this perfect authority, this, this authority without blemish, this this. He fulfills that prerequisite that we have of our our leaders and the people we put into position, right? And so he's that perfect authority. And we're to come underneath that. And we're, we're to be in subjection to him. And Christ is to be in control of the church. But he's not going to be a forceful controller. He's not going to impose himself on us. But it's as we come under subjection that we follow and that we obey. <clears throat> Christ is to be control in everything, in the church. He's to be in control of my personal life, the way I live. Verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. And gave himself for it. You know Christ in his perfection. <clears throat> loves us in our imperfection. You know Christ gave himself for me. He gave himself for you. Because he saw something that we could be. Not something that we are. But he saw a possibility of what we would commit to, of of how we would follow, and he made a sacrifice based on what we may choose to do. He invested in us with a hope of a return. with a hope of return. How many times do we make investments that open-ended? Even giving our life, hoping for return. But that's what Christ did for us. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Talking about the church here. And Christ wants to redeem this church. Christ wants to cleanse this church. He wants to make it new. He wants to wash it. That's the exciting part about it. He not only took the chance on us, but he also enables us to make that change. He he empowers us. He, He shows us how to do it. He gives us instruction. He leads us. Are we willing to follow? Are we willing to lay down what we want, what I want, to follow him? Do I allow him to speak into my life? Do I allow him to control everything in my life? Every part of it. My job, my marriage, my relationships, my entertainment, my hobbies. Does God have control of all of those? Or does he have control over the church? And then I find myself outside of that at times. Or does that encompass my whole life? What kind of a person am I? Verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. You know, Christ took a chance on me. He took a chance on you. And he wants you and I to be holy like he is. It says that he might present himself, to himself, a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle. Christ wants to do a cleansing in our heart, in our lives. That makes, that covers all those blemishes. That takes all of that imperfection away. You know, we can can clean a dress like I talked about, and yet if you get up close, there are times that you can still see some spots. But Christ wants to to clean us throughout. He doesn't just want to clean the hem of our dress. He wants to clean everything. He wants to clean the outside of us. He wants to clean the inside of us. He wants something new. He wants to present something new perfect does that mean we're sinless that we're sin free absolutely not we make mistakes we come to him in our sinful state but christ wants to make us and and change us and convert us into a new being a new person who is without spot Verse 28 and 29 says, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. You know, as as humans, we love ourselves. There's something about it. Like, we don't have to teach a child how to take care of themselves. They'll look out for themselves. They soon figure out how to stand up for their rights pretty quickly. Matter of fact, we love ourselves so much that it becomes a fault, oftener than not. Because I look out for myself rather than for others. But do you know, it says in this scripture that that's exactly how Christ loves us is, is, is to a, a fault is, is too like he loves us so completely he is so committed to us just like I take care of my own my own self and, and I, I look out I make sure I have food and, and clothing and I'm, I'm out of the weather and I make sure I get this and that God looks out for us He wants to provide those things for us, not for selfish reasons, for me, but to make us a better person. And to help transform us into that complete person that is without spot and without wrinkle. To present to himself a clean, a perfect, a changed being. He loves us like that. A far greater love than we can ever hope to love our spouse. He's committed to our best interests. He's committed to fulfill change in us. If we allow him to. If we allow him to. Do you allow Christ to clean those spots? Do you allow him to cleanse to iron out those wrinkles verse 30 says for we are members of his body of his flesh and of his bones because we're a part of the church there's a connection we're a part of Christ through the church it's as we as we come to Christ And we become part of this body that that we are now a part of him. And Christ wants to do a work in us. Christ wants to change us. He wants to make us that pure and that unspotted and that wrinkle-free being. How does he do that? What does it look like? Is it a quick Is it something that happens one time? Sometimes I wish it would be. Sometimes I wish we could make that commitment and now we would just have six weeks of download and now here I am, I'm a new being. But you know what? It's a process. It's a process from when we commit to Christ to when we fulfill our life here on earth. And I was just blessed by this thought this week. Do you know, we often look forward to eternal life in heaven. Do you know that eternal life for Christians has already started? It doesn't start when we die. But what happens is there's a continuation of the life that we live here on earth. And as we die, it doesn't stop. It just continues going. It was a new thought to me that I can experience eternal life now. As I'm changed in Christ and there's a new being, there's something new about me, there's, there's, a, new, there's a new energy because God is in me. There's, there's a purity not because of who I am, but because of who God has made me. And there's a change that has happened. And there's just a continuation of growth throughout my entire life. And as I, as I pass from this life to what we say eternity... Eternity doesn't start. It just, it just continues. Isn't that amazing? And it's exciting. But it's a process. And too often I get tired of the process, quite frankly. In the middle of it I say, well, God, can I just jump off for a little bit? I, I, there's just too much change. There's too many wrinkles that you're trying to iron out of me. Can I just hold on to one wrinkle for a little bit? I need a little bit of a break instead of staying on that 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 process of change and becoming pure without spot without wrinkle <clears throat> you know i could i could come up with three steps of how god is going to purify us i could come up with a a list of things this morning i want to point I am going want to point you to scripture, and I'm going to read different scriptures that talk about this changing process. And I'm just going to read some verses here and there. And some of these verses may not connect with you. But some of these verses may connect with you, or with you, or with you. And so as I read these verses, hear them, And ask God, are you talking to me in this verse? Is this applicable to me? What do I need to do? Don't ask God, show me. Say, I will follow you. I'll do what it takes. I'll do my part, God, when I see you leading me. The first verse is Romans Chapter 13, verse 14 says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God first john nine, if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness from all unrighteousness. First Timothy 4:12 Let no man despise thy youth but be thou an example of the believers in word in conversation in charity in spirit in faith in purity. Matthew 5.8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Philippians 4.8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. 2 Timothy 2, verse 22, flee, awful youthful, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith Charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Colossians 3, verses 1, and th- 1 to 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. Brethren, Galatians 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted." 1 Corinthians six twenty, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. <clears throat> you know, Scripture says that a bride is to be a type of the church. Glorious, not having spot or wrinkle or anything like that. It's supposed to be pure. But do we put as much effort into being that pure bride of Christ? That person who is clean? That person who is wrinkle free? Are we as concerned about that as a bride is with her dress and it being mud free? Do I go to as great a length to make sure my heart and my my life is pure? because I'm part of a greater body and when I'm the when there's an impurity in me it affects the body. We're all affected. Do I put as much effort into that as I should? Sometimes I see myself and I think oh, I'm doing pretty good overall. Maybe make some comparisons, right, with other people. And I say, well, overall, I I feel like I'm doing well. Proverbs 16, 2 says, all the ways a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. God sees right through me. God sees right to the depth, the core of who I am. And he knows my heart and he knows my intentions and he knows what's in there. When God weighs the spirits in you, what does He find? What does He find? Let's kneel for prayer.